Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. So how many of you are ready for the message this morning? All right. We are in part two of a series that we're simply calling Christmas Revolution. As I began to process through this idea of Christmas, uh, it came to my realization that the approach that Jesus took was none other than a revolution of love. That he chose willfully to to come to the earth as a baby, um, to be born in a manger, to Mary and Joseph, to give his life ultimately on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Now the word revolution, let me remind you what it means. It simply means a sudden, radical, or complete change. A sudden, radical, or complete change. That's exactly what Jesus did beginning on that very first Christmas day. He brought about this change for you and for me. And from that point forward, everything has changed. Nothing is the same. No longer are we going through the same stuff, but we have hope and peace and we have strength. We have forgiveness. We have all of these things because of the price that Jesus paid when he set the stage when the revolution began. Look at our text today. Matthew chapter 1. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She, or Mary, will give birth to a son, Jesus, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We talked about that word or phrase, God with us, last week. It literally means that God chooses to be among us, to dwell in our midst, not a far-off distant God, but a close-up personal God. That's what Jesus came to do. He is God with us. Now this morning, I want to take the time, I want to look at four reasons why Jesus began this revolution. Four reasons why Jesus chose to come as a baby in a manger for you and for me. I would encourage you, allow this revolution to stir something deep inside your life. You see, I believe that the Bible, the reason the Bible is there, part of that reason is to to stir things deep within us. To, to bring things to the service that we need to deal with, to, to give us a new focus, to give us a new drive. So let the very Word of God in through this series, let it stir something new inside of you. And perhaps, just maybe, it's going to bring about a sudden, complete, radical change in your life this Christmas season. Take a look at the words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. How many of you are appreciative that we don't have to walk around in darkness spiritually, but we have Jesus to be our lights? You know, it's difficult sometimes when we're walking around in darkness in the midst of this remodel program. On Friday, the electrician came in and we're changing out the way some of the lights in the ceiling and the lobby are, are routed. 
So I get this little note on the wall on a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper written in Sharpie and it says, for Sunday to turn out the lights, go to breaker number 15 and turn it on. So I come in the building with my cell phone flashlight and I'm walking around in the dark Friday night trying to figure out where I'm going, stepping over construction stuff, go to the back room to find a breaker to turn the breaker on so that I have lights. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that with Jesus it's not that difficult. But Jesus set the way for us, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Do you remember a day when you walked in deep darkness? Do you remember that day? Some of you are so far removed from that, you have no clue. Can I just tell you, that darkness that we once walked in, that hopelessness that we once walked in, that was a wretched place. But because of the grace of God, because of the price that he paid, because of his willingness to come as a baby in a manger with the sole purpose to be a man on the cross for you and for me to pay a price that we deserve to pay, but we don't have to pay because his grace stepped in. Those that walk in darkness will see a great light. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and his people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms of bloodstained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. For unto us is born a Savior. The government will rest upon his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When Isaiah wrote these words, he was looking forward six or seven hundred years to the time when our Messiah, when, when Jesus would come as a baby in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. A time when Jesus would step forward and begin this great revolution, this world-changing moment, this radical, complete change when everything would take a turn toward him. Now, I want to move forward about 30 years from the birth of Christ. He is right on the onset of the beginning of his ministry. Uh, we're going to talk about that, then we're going to go back to why he came. But going forward about 30 years, um, Jesus begins to speak 
in the synagogue. Now, he's just spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and, and praying. And in the midst of this fasting and praying, Satan, our enemy, the adversary, begins to tempt Jesus, did you know that when you begin to press forward with the things of God, it catches the attention of the enemy and he will do everything and anything he can to take you off course, to try to distract you? Have you noticed that before? So that's what Jesus is experiencing here. Satan is trying to get him off focus and off track of of beginning this great ministry but jesus has already been spending time praying and and seeking after the things of god and the bible says that he was filled with the holy spirit he was filled with the spirit of god now that's another message for another time but i'm here to tell you of the vital importance of being filled and fully filled and completely filled with the presence of god Somebody back here got it. We need the fullness of God in our lives each and every day. But now Jesus is returning to Galilee and he goes to the village of Nazareth. The Bible says that when he got there, he went to the synagogue to begin to teach. Take a look at what it says. Luke chapter 4. When he, Jesus, came to the village of Nazareth, his childhood home. He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scripture. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now, what did he read? Now, one thought on this scripture is that many believe that that there was a layout, a, a set layout of what scriptures would be read. They would hand them the scroll and they would begin to read that section of the scripture. The Bible says that they handed Jesus the scroll, he opened it, he began to read, but just what did he read? That's where the story really gets interesting. That's where this revolution begins to unfold. What he was really reading was Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. Now we're going to read it from the book of Luke, of the account of the moment when Jesus read it, but listen to what it said. Jesus unrolls the scroll And he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Could you imagine? Picture this moment with me just for a second. Here we are, we're in the synagogue and and Jesus comes in. Up to this moment, he's just Joseph's son, the carpenter's boy. You've seen him around town, you've seen him hang out with all the other teenagers, but now he's roughly 30 years old. You've noticed something has been a little different about this Jesus guy. He's not like his brother. Now, his brother's a scoundrel, but Jesus, he's a real deal. Wouldn't you, could you imagine what it was like to be Jesus' brother? Right? Why don't you be more like Jesus? Anyway. So, here Jesus steps into the synagogue and he says, all right, hey, I, I want to read, I want to read the scripture today. And they hand in the scrolls and he, he opens it up and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled the scroll back up, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. It's almost a, a mic drop moment. Are you picturing what I'm, what I'm saying here? He's saying the Spirit of God is upon me. This is why He sent me, and this is why He sent me, and this is why He sent me. This is what's going to be accomplished. I'm done. All eyes in the synagogue looked at Him intently. Then He began to speak to them. The Scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. In other words, the revolution has begun. The sudden, radical, complete change is taking place right in front of your eyes. What you've just heard has been fulfilled. Let me ask, is there really a point to this revolution that Jesus set in motion? Is there really a reason why he came? Well, absolutely there is. I want to take just a few moments and I want to break this scripture apart. I want to look at four life-changing reasons for this Christmas revolution. Four reasons why Jesus came as a baby in a manger simply to be the man on the cross. What are the reasons why Jesus gave up everything in heaven to come and be the baby of a peasant teenage girl, a carpenter, to be born in a manger, not into royalty, but he gave up everything for us. Why? Why did he do that? Well, I want to give you four reasons. Number one, to bring good news to the poor. Jesus came to bring good news to the poor. Now, are we talking about those who have zero money in their bank account? Maybe they're overdraft in their bank account. Maybe there's, there's no money coming in at all. There's more expenses than there is income, and they're struggling. Are we talking about people that simply have no money at all? No, no, we're not talking about those that are financially destitute. I don't believe that's what the scripture is referring to, but I believe that the scripture refers to those that are spiritually lost, spiritually bankrupt, that, that have no hope, that have no real life, that ultimately are without Jesus. You see, without Jesus, we are all poor. So as Jesus steps forward he takes a moment to breathe into existence hope to the spiritually bankrupt. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. One of the reasons why I've come, Jesus said, is to bring good news to those that are spiritually bankrupt. So what is that good news that he came to proclaim? He came to bring life, he came to bring hope, he came to bring a future, he came to give his life for you and for me. And I said it last week, Jesus didn't come so he could gain something, he came so we could gain everything. 
So if you're here today and you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that gift is available to you. Jesus came for you so he could die on the cross for you so that your sins could be forgiven. So you would no longer be spiritually bankrupt, but suddenly you could be overflowing in the goodness of Jesus Christ. Jesus came on your behalf. You see, without this revolution, without this love, the best we have is death. And we talked about that last Sunday. Eternal separation from God for all eternity. Yet Jesus chose willfully to come to this earth as a baby in a manger to begin the revolution for you. What's, what's the good news? Well, let me read to you what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's good news. God saved you by his grace. I'm so grateful for that word grace. It's, it's freely given and yet not deserved. You don't deserve the price that Jesus paid. Well, pastor, that's nice. Well, let me go a little step further. I don't deserve the price that Jesus paid. Not a single one of us do. The Bible says what we deserve because of what we've done, what we deserve is death. The wages of sin, the payment for our life of sin is death. But God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's not something that you can earn on your own. Well, pastor, I'll just start being a better person. I'll start being nicer to people. I'll start actually tipping the waitress at the restaurant. I'll, I'll start helping out around the house. I'll start being nicer to my classmates. I'll start being nicer to my neighbors. That's great. Do it. But that's not going to change your eternal destination. It's only by the grace of God that you're saved. Not in something you can do by yourself. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. That's awesome. You are God's masterpiece. Look at the person on, well, look at the person of your choice and say, you're God's masterpiece. Look at the person that's not your choice and say, you're a piece of work. Isn't that what a masterpiece is? And I don't know about you. But even being a piece of work, I'm God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He, create, he has created us anew in Christ. Oh, come on. He doesn't take refurbished junk. Kind of the big thing in decorating right now is, is repurposing everything, right? 
Everywhere you look, they're, they're repurposing barnwood. They're repurposing rusty stuff, and they're calling it shabby chic or whatever, and they're saying, now it's cool, but I want you to know, God doesn't take the old rusty junk and put something together for you. No, 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 no. He begins anew. He begins brand new. He creates you anew in him. Mm. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We have a responsibility. We have a job to do for the kingdom of God. To do the good things that he's created for us so long ago. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other na uh, name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. If you're putting your hope in situations around you, you're going to be disappointed. If you're putting all of your eggs in one basket of, of finances or, or people or relationships or material items, I want you to know it's not going to last. It's not going to work. There's only one way in which you must be saved, and that's through the blood that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary for you. Acts chapter 2, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved everyone even if you identify as the piece of work jesus died for you no matter how many times you mess up jesus died for you you may have messed up on the way to church this morning jesus died for you you may have messed up while getting your coffee in the lobby jesus died for you and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news. That's the good news. That's why Jesus came. To bring about a change in your life and in my life. To bring the good news to the poor. Would you receive that good news this Christmas season? The second reason why Jesus came was this, to bring release to the captive. Now, what is a captive? A captive, by definition, is simply defined as someone who has been taken prisoner. Well, pastor, I'm not a prisoner. I'm not behind bars. Well, whether you know it or not, whether you'll accept this or not, without Jesus in your life, you are a prisoner to the old lifestyle of sin bound to the ways of that old sinful nature. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. He says, but there is but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. What a wretched person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Have you ever thought that? 
What a wretched person I am. How miserable I am. I can't seem to get past this junk in my life. I can't seem to get beyond this addiction, this struggle, this hurt, this hang-up. I, I can't seem to get past this problem, this thought pattern in my life. I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm such a miserable, wretched person. Well, without Jesus, you are bound to that lifestyle. No hope of release you see in the life of the christian there's a battle raging between that old lifestyle the one that's drawn us sin and a new life in christ and jesus has come to bring about a release in our lives paul goes on to say in verse 25 thank god he says, who's going to free me from this life? Who's going to free me from all this junk? Who's going to help this miserable, wretched individual? Who's going to take me from where I am to where I need to be? And then he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is not in situations. The answer is not in circumstance. The answer is not in, in strong will. The answer is not in determination. The answer is not found in myself. But the answer is found in nothing less than Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. Jesus doesn't force a release on you. He doesn't force a release on me. But he offers that release. It's a free will, a free decision. It's our choice. Am I going to receive that gift or not? The word release by definition is defined as allow or enable to escape from confinement. It's as if Jesus was to say, I give you the ability to escape from the confines of sin. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go before you. I'm going to take the shackles off. Actually, I'm just going to unlock the shackles. They're still going to be resting over your wrist. They're still going to be resting over your feet. I'm going to open the door to the cell. But it's your choice. Are you clamping them back on and shutting the door? Are you getting up, throwing them off, and walking out? The Bible says, cast away anything and everything that trips you up, anything that slows you down. But run the race with endurance while focusing and setting your attention upon Jesus and Jesus alone. Why? Because thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why Jesus came. To bring release in your life and in my life. I challenge you this Christmas season, don't stay in the trap of the enemy. Don't allow Satan to build a wall between you and God. But take the needed steps. Receive the release of Jesus. Number three, to bring sight to the blind. Again, we're not talking about physically blind. Yes, God can heal physical blindness. But that's not what we're talking about here. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Jesus is reading the words of the prophet Isaiah. But he's helping you and he's helping me to understand and to see that on our own we are in darkness apart from him all we have is darkness. We can't spiritually see what's around the corner or even what's in front of us. In his greatest sermon of all time, 
Jesus made this statement, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Wow. Wow. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. But Jesus has come to be the light of the world. He's come to bring sight to the blind. You see, blindness is the inability to perceive light. Spiritually, without Christ, we have an inability. We're lacking the ability to see. But when Jesus comes in, how many of you know light changes everything? Have you ever been in a room just pitch black? I mean so dark that you put your hand in front of your face, you can't see anything. The moment you turn that light on, everything changes. Suddenly, you can see where the edge of the couch is. Yes? And before, it was like, stub your toe out, right? Light changes everything. How dark this world would be without Jesus. No hope, no way to see where we're going, no way to find our next destination. But Jesus came to bring sight to those that were spiritually blind. And in John chapter 8, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Come on, that's good news. We don't have to mosey along in darkness any longer. Why? Because Jesus, the light of the world, stepped in motion. He caused a revolution, a radical change for you and for me. I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly question is, are you ready? Are you ready to embrace that light? You may be here this morning and you feel like you're traveling around in darkness. There's no time like the present. There's no time like now to embrace the light that God has for us. And I fear that there are many Christians that, that walk around in what we call a light but really, it's a, a dim or even burnt-out bulb. And sometimes we, we choose, for some reason or another, to take that light that once radiated. So do you remember the day you got saved? Do you remember what your life was like? I mean, you were ready to take the world by storm. You were ready to conquer all. You were going to get your entire community saved. It didn't matter how big it was. You were ready to tackle it. Do you remember those days? But over time, we've taken that dimmer switch and we've turned it down. If the light you think is actually darkness, how dark it really is. And I fear that many of us, we've, we've turned that knob down or we've covered over the lights and we begin to walk around in this basic darkness and we call it light. 
But Jesus came to be your light, to open up the blinded eyes. Why? So that you would be filled with him. The fourth and final reason this morning, to bring freedom to the oppressed. Jesus came to bring good news to the poor. He came to bring release to the captive. He came to bring, bring sight to the blind. And number four, to bring freedom to the oppressed. The word oppressed simply means subject to harsh or authoritarian treatment. That's the life that we deserve. That's the life that we have without Jesus. A life of condemnation, a life of guilt, a life of defeat or in inability to be free. You see, if Jesus had not brought about this revolution, this harsh authoritarian, authoritarian treatment would be our guarantee. But praise God, the answer is in Jesus Christ. We just read it, Romans chapter 7, Paul is saying, what a miserable, wretched person I am. Who will help me? Who will release me from this? Oh, the answer, the answer is, is Jesus Christ. And now he moves in to Romans chapter 8, and he says, so now there is no condemnation. Okay, I really thought you'd get excited there. There's no condemnation for those who belong to to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. What you once deserved is no longer yours. What was once your sentence has been changed. What once held you back and held you far away from God has been released. And now you step in to the very presence of God. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is the same Spirit that lifts you up up today and because you belong to him the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that leads to sin and to death that's a revolution that's a sudden radical complete change Galatians chapter 5 so Christ has truly set us free now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. One translation says you're free through and through. Not a morsel of your being is still contaminated with sin. But through and through, God has set you free. That's good news. How drastic this life, drastically different this life would be without him. No release from spiritual poverty, no removal from captivity, no spot, a sight for the spiritually blind, trapped forever in this harsh treatment that our sinful nature warrants. And praise God, the answer is in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there is no plan B. Can I just be honest with you? You're here today and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never asked him into my life. You have no plan B. 
Jesus or not. Life or death. That's it. That's it. There's no plan B. Without this Christmas revolution, we'd be trapped in this dead-end path with no hope, no future. But Jesus came. A little over 2,000 years ago as a baby in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. Wrapped in strips of cloth, they, they laid him in a manger. But you see, that first Christmas, that's not where it ends. This past Friday night, we had the opportunity as a church to be a part of Sedalia's parade, the city parade. The theme for the year was your story. Well, we told our story. Sure, we have Jesus in the manger and Mary and Joseph. And that was the beginning of our story. That's the beginning of the revolution. But right behind the manger, right behind Mary and Joseph, there stood a cross. See, that's our story. Jesus came to give a release to set free those that are oppressed to bring freedom to their lives that's why Jesus came a scripture that I oftentimes read or even quote is Romans chapter 5 and it says but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners you can put your name in there for God showed his great love for Sally. God showed his great love for John. How? How did God show his love for you? By sending Jesus to die. Jesus came to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah. He came to be our everything. He came, yes, to be a baby in a manger, but ultimately to be the man on the cross, our ultimate sacrifice for your life and for mine. I challenge you this Christmas season. Would you receive the greatest gift of all? Would you embrace this Christmas revolution? Would you allow God to set you on a brand new path. 